everyone. Welcome back to The Current. I'm your host, Nadia Last, and I'm so thrilled to be sitting across from an intuitive guide that I've had the pleasure and the privilege to work with over these past couple years. Her name is Betsy Granville. And this interview was actually very divinely orchestrated, I guess you could say, in that I had reached out to Betsy probably six, seven months ago asking if she wanted to be on the podcast. And we both, I said, you know, this is an open invitation. We can feel into when the time is right. And about a month ago, I got this very, very strong hit to reach out to Betsy and kind of reprise the invitation. And Betsy, what you said back to me is that you had actually told your guides fairly recently, okay, if the time is right, have Nadia reach out to me directly. And this is how this this interview came to be. So I'm really excited. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes through today and why the time is now. So welcome, Betsy. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Betsy, the way I found you is pretty cool in that I do human design readings and a, a human design training. And one of the women who signed up in her intake form, she said, as part of her spiritual hygiene, she sees you on a semi-regular basis, on an ad hoc basis, kind of as a cleanup, almost like I'm envisioning somebody getting their teeth cleaned every six months. <laughs> and she said that she so enjoyed working with you and that you are likely someone that she'll work with for the rest of her life. So my curiosity was very piqued and I booked a reading with you that very day. And what really surprised me when we first got on to this reading, and I'm not exactly sure what I expected because you channel messages. You're you're a psychic, a medium. I'm not exactly sure how how you describe it. I'd like to hear in a moment. But what really struck me is that you are a very approachable, down-to-earth person. There were not many bells and whistles. I felt like I could talk to you as if I could talk to anyone at the grocery store. And your style of channeling to me feels so firmly rooted in this human experience. And that's why I wanted to bring you on to explain some of these more esoteric concepts in your own Betsy way. So so I guess my question to start us off, Betsy, how would you describe the work that you do? Um, I would describe it as a huge mix and blending of things. It's hard to put words to it, but it's definitely working as an intuitive, as a psychic, as a medium, as a channel, as you said. I love to work with people's teams in the light and spirit. It includes guides, angels, masters, uh, teachers, and to really bring through what's most helpful and healing for someone. So I would say that that intention more than anything guides my work. And then we go where that intention leads. And that can be a myriad of places, be it past lives, pre-birth planning, loved ones in spirit, animals here in spirit, um, relationships, health, um, anywhere where we're stuck in our lives or just wanting to make a greater step forward. Yeah. And that's a, a lot of different ways forward. And I, I love that the the sort of ethos behind it all is for somebody's healing. Yes. I think it's what's, you know, spirit's going to meet, meet us where we are in this moment with what's most salient, most helpful, most healing for us. And that can come from unexpected places. So we may come in thinking, I want to work. I have an issue with my legs right now, health and walking and can't hike. And then spirit takes us to our mother's patterns, our mother's energetic 
conditioned patterns that are basically held in our life, legs that we've adopted. Um, I'm thinking of someone specifically I read for, and this was the case recently. And that was, you know, something very unexpected. It could be um, a man, another recent reading who I'm not going to use any names, but just speaking honestly here, <clears throat> who was, you know, just had someone gifted in the reading and he is a very grounded person and he had no idea what to expect. And spirit started talking about how really he's looking for balance, greater balance in his life. And then they took us to um, his own patterns of you know, needing to rescue others or fix things for others. And then they showed very specific examples in his life of situation with a parent, with a, with a solo parent who he was looking after and his children. And then we went into the healing there was to look at spirit guided him through looking at those patterns, those unconscious patterns for himself and how he could shift or release those in order to realize greater freedom and balance for himself. And I want to get into many more specific anonymized examples because I've sent a number of my friends Betsy's way in in recent um, months, and and everybody's had a pretty profound experience. But what I want to sort of like ground this conversation in for those listening who are like, this kind of is bending my um, understanding of reality. The way that I like to describe intuitive art, intuitive readings is if you go to a doctor and you're doing all of the tests, you're running all of the different things that people are trying to figure out what's what's going on and you still haven't found an answer, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself maybe open to a more holistic healing path, maybe seeing a natural path. And I would say that the same is true for spiritual healing. A lot of the times people will go through sort of the tried and true traditional pathways for healing, whether that's traditional therapy work, and I'm in grad school to become a therapist myself. So I have a lot of respect for that and and the understanding in, in that realm. But if somebody continues to hit kind of a dead end energetically of, I still can't figure out why I can't find healing here, why this feels so difficult. That's when I end up referring people to someone like Betsy, where it's like, you need to maybe peel the layers back a little bit and look at something a little bit more holistic. Maybe there's a spiritual reason for why your soul is reaching such an energetic dead end here. Betsy, how would you say that in in your words? I think that's beautifully articulated. And that was the word that was coming to mind for me as well, was that it's multi-layered. Um, our, our, we are spirits, we are souls in a human body. <clears throat> so we have a physical aspect, a mental aspect, an emotional aspect, an etheric or spiritual aspect. And so when we look at healing on all levels, all of those levels of our lives, then if we're only looking at one layer, we're getting a pretty limited view sometimes. And don't get me wrong, spirit will give very practical, direct physical advice for someone if that's an issue, like, oh, we've fallen off the exercise, you know, or <laughs> I know you've been working on your 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 health and your diet routine, but you know, your how you're eating, but let's talk about a little bit more about that. And then if we're not looking at the mental and emotional layers, then, then we just might be missing pieces that could be really helpful that if we do some healing or some release work on those kind of open the door for us to allow greater healing um, on another level. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I had a friend recently see you who had experienced a miscarriage and she was so understandably upset and it was so difficult for her. And what she ended up coming away from the conversation, she wanted to focus on sort of conception. And actually, the bigger theme 
was that she had inherited a pattern from her paternal line about how work was supposed to be so hard and so difficult and that she was translating that energetic Mm -hmm. frequency into her conception process. So it can take so many twists and turns. And I just want to quickly also say, Betsy, that I even sent my partner your way who is somebody who's very grounded in reality. He's a roboticist. He he loves to study what can be sort of felt and, and what's tangible on this plane. And he actually said that was so much more helpful than the therapist slash executive coach that he had been seeing for the months prior in his job decision, which was a very practical on the ground decision to make on this plane. So it can be... Um, this gift can be applied in so many different practical realities of our lives. Yes. And it should be practical because the practical realities of our lives are the grist for the mill of our evolution and expansion and awakening. So the whether it's the job or the health or the marriage or the conception, that is exactly what is there for us to be worked with and through in order to experience that expansion and growth and awakening. So we don't want to push those aside or just get a quick fix. It's like, let's mine those experiences for the gems that they offer on every level. And then we can make big leaps and and strides forward for ourselves with anything um, happening in our lives. Those are the portal. Those are the way forward. And especially when they feel like struggle. I'm so curious, Betsy, you likely see different themes as you're working with people. And is there a wave of thematic threads that you're pulling right now in your work? That's a great question. I haven't given much thought to, but right off the top of my head, I would say I'm seeing a lot of people who are ready to make changes in their lives and they're beginning to think outside the box and how to do that. So maybe it's someone this week, for example, who was going through a divorce and essentially the world of spirit was helping her, encouraging her and her husband to go through this in a way that was different than the usual animosity and strife and uh, tension involved. And um, Spirit showed me her oldest daughter, and she made me aware of an oldest daughter, and they showed me a scarecrow in a field. And this is just a great example of how Spirit works to get through these messages. And and they gave me the word scare, and, and they I, I said to her, Spirit's showing me that there's been a real scare in your life recently around your oldest daughter. And re- it really has been there in part to bring your family together in a new way and for you to learn to shift from, they showed me like an old black and white TV versus a new Technicolor one and like shifting into seeing things in a bigger, more colorful realm of possibilities for how to go, how to reformulate their sense of family going forward. And she said, yes, my daughter had a sinus infection that went to her brain and it it's been really, really, it was a huge scare. It was really, really scary, but it is what brought us together. And my husband and I could see the bigger, my soon to be ex-husband, I could see, could see the bigger picture um, in a way that we hadn't before as we rallied around her. And then it helped them to, um, and this was the conversation was to begin to maybe look at some different ways to share time 
and even you know keep the same house, but one partner, it's the parents who switch houses rather than the children each week um, and how that was really fitting both of their needs. So then we went, looked at um, their higher selves, she and her partner and what, what they were really asking for on a soul level at this point. So I'm seeing, that's just a great example because it's just showing how they're beginning to see a different way and different possibilities to do things in this life than maybe has traditionally been done. And I would say I'm seeing more and more of that, of people really at a soul level asking for greater expansion and depth in their lives and really wanting to wake up to the great potentials for themselves in their lives. And I think now more so than ever. Now more so than ever. Yeah, that that story is so magical, Betsy, and and beautiful to hear that people can reconfigure the way that they go through different life transitions. And I think that the point being, you're always connecting each person to their soul and their soul's path and their soul's highest potential. Why do you think now more than ever, people are sort of opening themselves up to this modality of understanding themselves? I think as a collective, we really have a lot of momentum that's pushing us forward because the larger consciousness of which we're all a part, this giant spider web of oneness, one mind of connection between all of us is really, um, it's like the bar is being raised. Our consciousness is lifting to a new place. And that happens one individual at a time. And this is, this is why it's so important when we make these shifts and changes in our lives on the microscopic level and just Nadia's life or Betsy's life or John or Susie's life, whoever it is, it's like, it has a ripple effect. You are influencing the whole. You are tilting us towards the place of greater progress and possibility that we were somewhere we haven't gone before. And so when we have that momentum building through our individual choices and actions and the vibration that we're each holding, then it influences and impacts the whole. And then the whole feeds us again on an individual level so that it gets easier to make those choices. And then it's benefiting others. It gets easier for others to make those choices. And I think this is one way that we're working together as we all get more conscious and more aligned with our soul aspect, with the greater purpose and potentials in our lives. Wow. So this seemingly small decision of reconfiguring a divorce in order to put the children first and get creative is actually creating this, you know, ripple effect out into, I like the visual of a spider web of, of everyone connected and it's, it's feeding this hole that then there's more energy to, to be fed by. It's this reciprocal energetic process. That's really beautiful. Yeah. So when we're working, we can see that. There, there's that happening on the macro level. And then what I also love about working with spirit is they'll, they'll get right in there with us on the micro level and they'll keep it light and they'll keep it humorous. Um, so in that very same reading, when I tuned into the husband's higher self, I said, this may sound strange, but your husband's making me feel like there's a real depth of appreciation of newly found appreciation for you through this divorce process, which is just amazing to be able to say, right? It's so unusual. And she said, yes, we're in a really good place. And I said, well, he's showing me the trash and you're taking out the trash. And this just feels for some reason really important and symbolic 
of some of the changes in the ways that you are, you know, stepping into roles that you haven't been before, not just domestic in terms of domesticity or your job inside and outside of the house, but in terms of, you know, and this brought us to her, but like your spiritual evolution and growth and what you're here to embody and represent. And she said, that's all true. And it's really funny because my husband um, is obsessed with the trash. And even though I'm living in the house, he will drive by and look to see if I've put out the trash. <laughs> so this is just the way like spirit weaves in the, the, the minutia of our lives, the seemingly smallest details of validation for us. Because just as you were saying with your nails, I think it was, it represents so much. Nothing is too small in the eyes of spirit. Nothing is too small in the eyes of spirit. Let's see, we've like turned this up already so much. Keep keep going. It's just going to say because it's indicative of where we are and where we're wanting to grow and ex- what we're wanting to expand into. And those things especially the ones that come back into our attention again and again or into our awareness, whether it's the nails or the trash or anything else, those things are coming up for us. They're drawing or snagging our attention for a reason because there's a lot of energy behind them. There may be patterning or unconscious conditioning or patterning there for us that may belong to us, that may come from our own childhood, other lifetimes, our ancestry, the DNA, there are any potential, so many different places we can go. But I like to go to the origin point and, and ask Spirit, what's the origin point of this issue? Because that's where I find we get like the maximum for investigating when we're willing to take compassionate accountability for where we stand in our lives. It takes us to these other places. And then we can begin to unpack for ourselves what's really happening for us in that moment with the trash or the nails or anything else or where we feel stuck in our job or where we're struggling with our health and or our relationship. And that's, again, where the real growth lies. And it's really difficult sometimes to see for ourselves, where did this begin? Where did I learn this? And I find with the more intuitive readings that I receive that it's actually opening myself up to my own intuition and finding those origin points sooner. I'm curious why why you think that is, that once people sort of understand the through point, why it sort of softens the, the gripping and allows people to find healing. Well, I think that anytime we start, okay, a couple, a couple of things are coming in for me on this. One is that you are, when you make that intention to go to that place, you know, you, you, may, you schedule an appointment or you sit down with yourself and you make that intention to go there. You're giving the message to your higher self, your team in spirit, who are always guiding and loving you, helping you, that you are ready and willing to go there and to do that work. And that in itself is hugely powerful. Right there, you've already started to shift and move and change the energy that was kind of frozen in time around an old event or experience or trauma or sticky point is the way they're giving it to me. Number two you put your energy and attention there. And then once you begin to go there, your awareness begins to expand. So you begin to go to other places of understanding and your awareness just gets bigger. So now you're carrying that energy of greater awareness and that greater understanding on a mental level and an emotional level often with you into your own life and your day to day. So it's easier to tap back into that because 
It's like if you picture a stretchy balloon and if you just keep, if you never inflate the balloon, it's just this one size and you can fit so much in there, but not, not more than that. Whereas if you've blown up that balloon, if you've stretched it and you've stretched yourself into these greater places of understanding and you've made a commitment to yourself to understand at a deeper level, now you can fit a lot more in there. <laughs> There's a lot more knowledge, understanding and awareness these that you can access for yourself. A specific example that I'll share is that uh, my partner and I, in the early days of our relationship, we felt this sadness when we had to spend time apart. And as our careers go into different territory, uh, continuously, the, the gap widens between what he's interested in and what I'm interested in. But our partnership is actually growing in love and connection. So it doesn't make sense to us where it's like we're meant to do and be in such different parts of this world. And I did a reading with you and you connected me to a past life that we shared together in which um, we were actually like very, very close friends to two men, actually, and that we spent so much of our life so interconnected. And yet there came a point, a fork in the road where our our jobs, our careers had to take us in different places. We were in some part of the Middle East. And it makes so much sense to me now as I view this dynamic between us where we get so sad where he has to go and be, you know, somewhere for a work trip for a week, or I'm over here and I'm doing, you know, the different things that I'm doing of, of why that's sad. And the healing that was present for us is, is we don't have to be a part in this lifetime. We're building a home together. We always come home to see each other. And that's a small example, but it actually energetically was really building up some residue in this lifetime for us. And that's beautiful. I'm amazed by the power of looking at other lifetimes and how they can, when we gain awareness around those, how it can shift our experience in this lifetime. It's like we can recontextualize those experiences for ourselves, that experience of the two of you being apart. You can understand it in a different way, assign new meaning to it because you have a greater understanding beyond this lifetime. And then it can really change how you experience that in this lifetime. And I have to say, I think um, one of the things that surprised and delighted me and opening up to other lifetimes when spirits brought them to me is that that's something that can be very evidential as well. So it's it, people I think can be skeptical about looking at other lives and fairly so, but what I see again and again is spirit even weaving in validations or helping us. They'll choose lives that are, that are relevant to what we're experiencing now. And they choose them because it's the lifetime that's, that's, Relevant so it can be the most healing to what, what we're going through right now, but there are validations that are woven in. So one woman, um, that I've read for a lot, uh, we've got, when I first went to, I said, are you open to past lives? Cause this is where I feel we're going with this issue in her life. She said, yes. And her team showed a lifetime in which she was uh, worked at a casino. She was part of gam this gambling house, <laughs> which just cracked me up and her too. And then. She said, so we went to why and how that was relevant and then what, where the release of the healing was around that for her. And part of that healing and release is just understanding, as you said, what, what that was all about and what you would have come into this lifetime um, in a new way to work on. So it makes sense. For example, with you and your partner, you would come in as, you know, in the way that you've shown up this time to be able to sort that out for yourselves and come to a really good place with that. So anyway, she told me afterwards, she said, also, the funniest thing is that I've never understood why I carry dice and cards with me everywhere. I always have, um, I guess it was a pack of cards in my purse. She said, I decorate houses and I'm always working in dice. <laughs> you know? It's like, 
it, it is just so fascinating the ways that we carry these many aspects of these other lives with us or I'm thinking of another couple and I saw a lifetime in which they worked in a barn together. They were working in, a, in stalls and she said, gosh, like, um, it's not just that lifetime. We've been drawn to horses our entire time in this incarnation. And we, we've ha- owned horses at one time. We've done this. We've done that. So we come back again and again to uh, work out the different learnings, the different lessons. I don't even think lessons is the right word because it's not like something you can either get or you don't or it's right or wrong. It's just like themes and, and energies that we want to work through or experiences we want to have in a different way or perspective, new perspectives we want to have on old experiences that we've had before. So we might, if we were a husband in one lifetime doing one thing, we might choose to be the wife having the experience of that husband doing something like that in this lifetime. So it's just interesting to watch the ways in which as souls, we love to learn and we will come back again and again to experience and grow in new ways in the ways that those can be validated. Betsy, are there any past lives that you've connected with per- personally that have really mm-hmm. impacted and been foundational for your understanding of this lifetime? Lots. I walk every day. I walk my dogs and I that's a place walking for me is like a, is a meditation. It's a place where I connect with spirit. I talk with spirit and it can be some, I've had the experience where I used to live in a neighborhood and I would pass someone in the neighborhood and I, it was, that person was triggering for me. And so I would ask spirit, why is, what can I, what would be in the best interest? Um, what's my best and highest to know about any past experiences that I've had with that person or experiences in this lifetime themes that would make this triggering. How can I learn and grow in this way? And they showed me a past life with him and what had happened there. And then where the learning was for me and the opening and the ways that I could expand in this lifetime around that. Or that issues with my kids, like big fears. My kids are 14 and 18. And so with my daughter, who's 18, I've had, you know, I would have a recurring fear around her and I ask spirit one day, like, okay, I'm ready to do this work. This keep this one keeps coming up. Where's the fear coming from? And they showed me a past life with her and in which she had died and what had happened around that. And I was amazed by how much, how, how that fear really dissipated after that time of walking and talking with spirit and looking at that lifetime and seeing and, and really being willing to hold the space for that pain and that sadness that had been residual energies I'd carried over and projected onto her in this lifetime and fears around her um, health and her safety. And I just noticed that it doesn't trigger me in the same way. So the same Fear may come up in my thoughts, but it doesn't hold the same level of charge anymore. And then it enables me to work with it, to recognize, oh, this is just a conditioned pattern. This is just a thought form. And when it doesn't have that emotional charge, it's much easier to be able to release and let go in the moment. So we can have a big shift, like we look at another lifetime, or we look at something traumatic from our child's in this childhood in this lifetime, and we make the energetic shift and bring the awareness to it. It doesn't mean that it might not come up in some way again. It just means that when it comes up, it's less charged. And then we have the opportunity to learn and grow from it. And we can bring more awareness to it. 
we, we have more choice, I guess is what I'm saying. It becomes a choice because before when it's just an old conditioned pattern, it's like the hamster on the wheel it just keeps going and it's impossible for us to get space from it or detach from it. And so it just keeps coming up. We feel the contraction, the fear, it takes our breath away. And we just, we either, you know, people, do, this is where people do all kinds of things. We eat, we drink, we smoke, we have an affair, we, you know, whatever, we exercise too much, we, you know, whatever the pattern is to try to distract ourselves from that pain. But instead, I think when there's a little bit of the charge taken off, we have the choice now, we're in a position where we have the space from it, and we have the power to make a different choice. And then we actually reinforce a different energy when we make a different choice. So I might say, oh, here comes that thought again. Again, it's coming from the unconscious. So it's just going to come up. It's just going to bubble up. But I can recognize, oh, is that really true? Can I absolutely know that that's true, that my daughter's unsafe in this moment? How do I react when I think the thought she's unsafe in this moment? And I can see myself. I can feel the pressure in my chest. I can feel the tightening in my throat. And then who would I be without that thought in this moment? And now I have the ability to see I can choose choose something different for myself in this moment and look at what's really true in this moment. My daughter's at school. She's okay. She's well supported and loved. She's well on her path. You know, I couldn't do that before. I looked at that lifetime. It just had too much charge. Thank you so much for sharing that example. I feel all the emotions in my body around how deep and true this experience is for you and how incredible it is that you were able to sort of zoom out and float above what was happening and sort of understand this deeper fear. I think any parent that's listening likely will feel their heart catch in their chest as you're talking. So thank you. And I think what I'm hearing people ask is where you got to of this sort of mindfulness of noticing a thought come up and sort of choose a different um, avenue of thought. There are many different ways into that experience. And so I'm hearing the question of of why would someone seek out an intuitive reading above other other formats, knowing that you know we're not giving any advice. I I feel from my perspective, it's it's like you're kind of called into intuitive readings if if you're interested in it. But are there themes that you find of why people come to you? Maybe like an unexplainable fear, like you just named, or or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll add on to that experience just that this is the magic of spirit that of course while I was working with this that week I think I had two or three clients come air quotes out of the blue and say to me I have this unreasonable fear around my child's safety and I don't know what to do with it you know and so spirit will work with whatever is like in tandem with what's happening for me with what's happening for others because we are all so intricately connected and so the, you talked, you asked about themes coming up for people. It's like, I think themes come up in our microcosm too. Themes come up, whatever we're working with. There are others who are drawn to us, who appear around us, who are working with the same thing. There are ways that we're, we are as larger spirits and souls working together on all of these things. And as again, as I released that for myself, as the people that I got to work with that week released that for themselves and experienced that shift, then we are helping to raise the tide for all of us where it gets easier and easier and lighter and lighter to do that. So I think people come for every reason you can possibly imagine. <laughs> so it's hard to narrow down. It might be, um, I do, a, I see, I do a lot of work with 
animals. Um, I work with a lot of like barn owners across the East Coast and uh, middle of the country horses. I work with people, their dogs, their cats, their everything else, both those who are here in physical life and those in spirit. I love animal work because um, it's just so much fun to connect with animal spirits. They can show incredible things. Um, I had a woman this week who had a cat in spirit and I said, well, your cat, we talked about the cat. The cat showed that she had the brother of the cat or whatever. We talked about how the cat died. All this, So we had evidence around the cat. And then um, I said, also, your cat shows me you have a new job with a driver and you don't keep house plants. Like so, so deep is your love for cats that you won't have any house plants because you're worried about the safety of the house plants for the cats. And she said, both of those things are true. <laughs> <laughs> I give any flowers anyone gives me away in Philly. Don't keep house plants. And yes, I did like have this important job and, and I just had a driver for the first time last night. So it's like even our animals can really show that they see things in our lives and why they're in our lives, how, the important roles they're playing. It's the same with loved ones. So I definitely, that's mediumship is connecting with loved ones across the veil. With mediumship, we are connecting with loved ones in spirit and our loved ones um, connecting with them can be a focus of a session if there's a really deep need for healing there. But it can also be that we're focused on other things that are happening in someone's life. And then a loved one comes in and speaks to that. That happened just recently when I was working with a um, young girl and uh, in college and the whole issue of self-image, body appearance, weight came in and her guides were showing me some things in her life and how this was playing out for her. And then it was her grandmother on her father's side who showed up and said, I said, your grandmother is showing me a lot of restriction in this way in, in her in herself and her relationship with her body. And this woman could validate that. And the grandmother wanted to offer some healing around that line of the family for her. So, you know, that's a way that our loved ones come in. The theme here is that spirit is taking us or directing us to wherever we need to go. Even if we're coming in saying like, you know, I want to work on one thing, like they'll work with that. But often we're going to bring in these other things that are relevant that we might not know are relevant. I love working with people on relationships. Um, that's one of my favorite things. Um, because of my English teacher, former English teacher background, I think spirit tends to work with me in terms of visual metaphors and analogies, which are great for working in relationships because we can pack so much, they can pack so much into one image and then really draw that out to give us a higher perspective on what's happening. And often they'll take us to where, where we need to go for the healing for ourselves within a relationship, our piece in it. Sometimes it's looking at the dynamics of the relationship or what's keeping us uh, staying or what's asking us to leave or not. And so they'll work with all of these different parts um, of, of, of what we need to know to for our greatest and highest good. I love working with people on, you know, general, like spiritual, well, I can say this, it's just spiritual work, but everything we're talking about is spiritual work, right? Everything, every bit of this is how we is 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 our work and i think that's also how we access our own intuition best is by really doing our own work with what's coming up in our lives we can take classes we can read books wonderful surround ourselves with information inundate ourselves like knowledge is the precursor to experience i'm all for that at the same time you know it's really our work within that is helping us to tap into our own intuition and i i think not everyone's coming 
to work with their guides through me with that aim in mind. But I think it's a natural byproduct of our work together is very often that people's intuition does get strengthened because they're more attuned to the world of spirit um, and both energetically through our work and because they're more aware of it and, and aware of how their teams are communicating with them, but also because they are tapping into those deeper aspects of themselves. And that's where that's the seat of our intuition. It's our heart and it's our, soul. So we go to those raw tender places or we go to what's really coming up for us, then we end up going to those other places. Sometimes spirits walking people through a meditation. I'm just following along and speaking it as it comes in. Sometimes it's healing work on the energetic level. Sometimes it's they're offering tools that they're coming, you know, giving me to give to people um, to help them to make different choices for themselves on a daily basis. Sometimes it's a visualization. So I think these are all reasons people seek out intuitive work. And then sometimes they they end up with more than than they were targeting for, right? It takes us to these other places. But that's what I love is that, um, and that's why this is just so wonderful, is because it helps us to live more meaningful, loving, intuitive lives. And we really do benefit from support, the support of the spiritual world in that. And as you said, we can't always get there ourselves. It's hard to see the forest for the trees ourselves sometimes, myself included. That higher perspective, I think, is what's um, most valuable in a lot of this, is helping us to see or frame things different for understand things differently for ourselves in our lives, because that is all the difference between us seeing from our human, limited, small sense of self and us feeling and seeing and knowing and understanding from our larger, more expanded, higher soul aspect. So it's not just me bringing that to people through the guides. It's like people realizing that for themselves through this work. Beautiful. I know that I'm going to listen back on this. There's, it's so chock full of wisdom and love, all of the messages that you're bringing forward today, Betsy. It might be the time in our conversation where I can feel everyone wondering, how in the heck did you find yourself into this work? How did you first know that you had these gifts? Well, I was a super intuitive child, which sounds like a great thing, but really felt really overwhelming. (laughs) It felt like a liability more than an asset. So I was very aware of energy around me. I could feel it, pick up on it. That's called clear sentience, clear feeling, subtle feeling. And it was a lot at times. Um, so I would say it's really taken me a lifetime to get to the place where I'm able to channel that, harness that, um, to do what I'm meant to do here. Along the way, you know, I was always interested in spirituality. I'd say spirituality and kids were my absolute loves from the beginning. So I was a comparative religion major at Brown. I spent time in Asia, Nepal, studying uh, Eastern religion there, living with Buddhist and Hindu families, learning the language. I taught as a teacher, as I mentioned. So I taught lower school library. Often children's books get woven into my readings because that's a love, which is fun. Spirit can use books to illustrate points they want to bring through. And then I was a sixth, sixth and seventh grade English teacher. So I worked a lot on writing. And so 
you know, I can look back and see how so many things were always leading me here. I taught writing at Brown as well. So the writing, the children, the spirituality, they were all, they all have come to fruition or to a head in this work in many ways and then expanded from there. I volunteered my kids' schools for years after I had kids. And I began having increasingly psychic experiences after the birth of my children, which is not uncommon. So I, my husband would come home from work and I would know everything he was going to say before he said it. I would see pictures and honestly, it was confusing. I would say to him, didn't you just say all that? He'd say, no, I'd say, okay. And I just would put it to the side. And I think because a lot of my healing in this lifetime, having come from a divorced family was around um, creating a really... He, uh, a wonderfully cohesive family unit for myself. Um, I think I also just put a lot of this, these gifts to the side because I was so focused on raising my kids and being a mom. I waited a lifetime for this. I used to watch the show 30 something. <laughs> Most of your listeners are probably too young for that. <laughs> when I was younger and it was like about people in their thirties and I would be, I don't know what, 14 and I'd be like, if I can just get to my 30s, you know, <laughs> I couldn't wait. So I was, you know, always um ready for, you know, an older stage of life. And I volunteered my kids' schools for years. And then it was about my daughter was maybe 14, I want to say, that I was sharing, as usual, some spiritual tidbit with her. And she said, put down her book. And she said, mom, is this what you really want to do? Because it's what you're always talking about. And she really reflected back for me in that moment, something that I, you know, hadn't even realized for myself that I was always talking about this. And so, because I was, I was always reading spiritual books. I was always, I did, you know, month-long meditation retreats and college. I had continued to do retreats after that, silent retreats, da-da-da, Buddhist retreats, um, many of those over the years. And my husband, incidentally, was also a comparative religion major, but he studied Western religion and we grew up together. So there were lots of things leading us together um, forever as well. But in that moment, when she said those words, it really was a bit of an aha moment for me. And I, it was a moment of surrender where for some reason, standing there in her bedroom that day by her bed, and she said that I just opened up and at a deeper level of my being, I said, if this is what to me is meant to be, you know, may I be a blessing, like put me in. And I had no idea what that would mean, or that what that would look like. I should also say that I also had spent a lifetime doing personal work for myself. And I think that's another key component that has brought me to where I am, is being willing to go to the hard places and the deep places, because then I can hold that space for others. And I know what that's like. Spirit loves a volunteer, I like to say. So they took me up on that. And I began to have, I was compelled to go certain places, do certain things. I did a Joe Dispenza retreat in Texas, um, which I think, which I love Joe Dispenza's work. I also think spirit was like, this is how we're going to get her to sit down in one place and meditate and open up in ways that she hasn't done in a long time. And I did. And it just things opened up in a massive way. I did some subconscious belief training and work. I had profound experiences and it was, you know, very easy for me to access those expansive places. Those came in like, like a, like a, a torrent, you know, and I also started having some big awakening experiences. I don't think I've talked about those before in this way, but 
I started, and, and it's there, these are the experiences that are very hard to put into words because and to describe, but it was things like I was walking again one day and I there was a flower near my mailbox and I leaned down and I saw this flower. I felt completely compelled to drawn towards it. And I, it was white. And by the fragrance, I was like five feet away from this flower and the fragrance just flooded my being on all levels. And, but the odd thing was the fragrance was like the fragrance of innocence, the fragrance of truth, the fragrance of beauty. It wasn't just a smell. And I saw reflected in this flower, you know, the, the, the beauty of who we are and of our existence. And I saw and was just overcome with appreciation and gratitude for the fact that I understood in that moment that flowers are here to hold that for us, that they're reflections of that, that they're embodying that and they're reminding us of who we really are beyond the human story and our human level experiences in many ways. I saw a spider moving across our trash can when I went to take out the trash one day. And it was like another massive kind of awakening experience of seeing in that spider's movement. I don't know how to say it, like the, the, the truth of, of existence in life. And so with all of these experiences that I began to have, I started connecting with my guides. They, came in really loudly and clearly gave me lots of evidence for their existence. And I mean, I just lived in a world of signs, constant, constant songs, license plates, things on the TV. They'd show me something and then I'd come into the other room and the exact same thing would be reflected on the television, you know, moments later. It would give me downloads before meditation, specific names. And then those I'd, I'd never heard those names before. And I'd listen to the meditation. They'd tell me exactly which track to go on. And then there would be those names, you know, introduced in the meditation. So they were helping me to ground my experience and to understand and to believe um, that there's a larger, greater reality here, that what we're experiencing with our five physical senses is the tip of the iceberg. And so they were inviting me to, to go a little deeper into the iceberg and to see what's really real and what's really true. And I began sitting with all of the uncomfortable experiences and feelings that would come up for me. We all have them all the time. And I would make a commitment to like when those came up or if I couldn't do it in the moment, I would come back to it later and I would sit literally and sit with those, feel those in my body, know the felt experience of those and then go to the origin place of those. And then it was like bringing the warmth of sunlight to these places that had been frozen for so long and they began to dissolve and I could feel the energy that was released as a result. So... This enabled me to begin working for others. That was not my intention, but spirit was pretty relentless in saying, Betsy, there's more for you to do here. Get out, you know? So I tiptoed out. My kid's piano teacher was pretty groovy and asked Madeline if she'd be willing to have this experience. <laughs> she said yes. And that was the beginning. And then my, um, uh, I had a family member who had a good friend who had, had a, a loss. And so I connected with her. And so I have been working through word of mouth ever since. It's the only way that I work. I love that because there's a certain level of trust when people come to you that way, as you did, you know, and I, I think I get people who are willing to really to go there 
you know, and who are invested. So that was a long-winded answer of how I um, got here. But that was several years ago when I started doing readings for others. And I've been doing them ever since. And there's nothing I'd rather do. It was very clear to me that this was my calling and where spirit was taking me. I mentioned in another interview, I think that I had a deck of cards and I kept getting the same cards every single time. And the one, you know, spiritual counselor was the one that kept coming up. And I think for me, that's what this is, is really all about is, you know, helping us to know that we're not alone and to awaken for ourselves so that we can have you know, meaningful, loving lives and we can bring more beauty and love and truth into this world to bless and benefit all. So moving, Betsy. And what is particularly vivid about your story is the awakening moments of seeing a flower and seeing a spider and these elements of nature that are actually always available to us and seeing how how the veil can be so thinned in that moment, viewing such a small aspect of our natural world. Yes, because the the difference there is that is where we're viewing it from. Are we viewing our world as we go through it every day from our thinking mind, our habit mind? You know, th- you know, like ninety nine percent of our thoughts are recycled from the day before. It's not a lot that's new there, and most of those are conditioned. Our conditioning happens before the age of seven. We didn't choose those unconscious patterns and the, the thoughts that result, and the beliefs. They they just are there. So are, how are we relating to those? Are we just letting them drive the bus? Are we walking through life unconsciously and, you know, just seeing from this, that place? Because I think that leaves us feeling pretty empty and with a real sense of longing. And that's where conflict arises. That's where we get caught up. I'm seeing you person to person rather than presence to presence and recognizing that that is one in the same presence between you and I. So the alternative that spirits often sharing and showing people how to experience for themselves is, is this heart-centered awareness. It's dropping from our heads down into our hearts. It's a very different place to relate to the world from. And that's where those kinds of experiences happen. It's also where we experience the greatest sense of meaning and, and depth in our everyday lives is when we're, and that, that's presence. That's when we're present. And it is very often for me, the little things it's this morning. It was the way my teacup lid just rattled when I put it down on the table. You know, it was my son's little hair in the sunlight, you know, that I saw sticking up before he went to school. He's 14, but he's still like incredibly <laughs> precious. <laughs> and, and his hair is really important and a lot of the focus now <laughs> for him. So, um, you know, but it's the little things. It's that, it's the bird song outside the window. Like, are we just doing the dishes, you know, in front of the window and going through the motions and thinking about what we have to do in our day or what's stressing us or those fears are coming up, those anxieties, or are we actually present to our experience? And, you know, we talk about these subtle senses that we have, these energetic senses, like clairvoyance, clear seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, smelling, tasting, but it's ironically often our physical senses, those five physical senses that are the portal, the door into those subtle senses. So when we drop down into actually noticing and feeling and experiencing where we are, then we have access to our larger selves, our multidimensional or expanded selves. So if you you notice, you know, if you're really listening, just listening to the quiet for a moment, let's just do it. Notice that you can't be thinking and really listening at the same time. 
So just in that one moment of truly listening, you're accessing a different dimension of experience. Out of the thinking mind, and we're fully embodied. And that peace is already here. It's not something that we need to go get. It'll be here when we when we get the thing. The person loves us. Or we feel better. It's actually when we take our attention away from all those things. And we just drop into this experience of listening in this moment and feeling the peace that's already here for us in every moment. And that's you here with you. That's you in a place of expansiveness and groundedness. And that's a really true place for you to be. There's no longing here. There's nothing missing. There's nothing that we I need to add to our experience. We're just here. Perfect. Just as we are. So that's just a little teeny moment my guides just had us drop into here as they're directing things to just illustrate, I think, some of the points they've been making. Hopefully that's helpful. Oh my gosh. I just feel like that. I just took an energetic shower and my bulldog is right next to me, lightly snoring, very comfortable during this conversation. And it it is a perfect moment. It reminds me of the poem by uh, poet David White everything is waiting for you. He's talking about the pots and the pans. It reminded me of your tea kettle conversation, just in the mundane moments of our everyday life. Yeah. I just think it's a really important message for people to experience. It's one thing to hear it. It's another to feel that sense of peace and stillness that exists within you asking to be tapped into every single day. Yes, because it can all feel very removed or lofty when we're just talking about all these concepts. So we need to ground it into our own experience and realize that um, it's already all here. We are already those, those spiritual beings. We are the peace. We are the joy. We are the love. That's who we are. And that was my experience when I began to sit with all the uncomfortable feelings years ago was I saw the distinction between reality, reality is what we just experienced, and between all the layers, the heavy, wet wool blankets we throw on top of reality, which are fears and thoughts and opinions and beliefs and the stories we cling to unconsciously. And, you know, we're just this process of going through life and using what's happening as the, the fodder for us, for our own spiritual growth. It's just that process of delayering or waking up to what's already here. And I think it's important when you hear people talk, like we've been talking today, to just to realize, like, I'm not someone special. You know, I'm not, you don't have to go get something from me. The work of your guides with you in this way is just you connecting into you. It's dropping into that those deeper levels of being and experiencing that for yourself. 
It's just that when we're plugging into other conditions or people or situations for our sense of well-being, I'll be okay when, I'll feel better if, then we're giving our power away. And if we say somebody else can can get me there, that's giving our power away too. So it's really like, but at the same time, we can get lost in the forest, right? And it's hard to see out. So just having that that guidance and that perspective that lifts us out of that and like just like the camera lens that just gets shifted a few few centimeters to the right or left can make all the difference in our experience. And we have to feel it and know it at a, at a very visceral level. Spirits often walking through people, people through experiences rather, to, to give us that, to begin to drop into this other level of being. That is, it is another dimension of your being and your experience here that we just dropped into. And it's just that simple. But we get caught in the everyday stuff and the patterns of thinking and believing and our environment is compelling us to, oh, this shiny object, this new experience, right? Here, 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 over there. So we just, we're not giving our attention and energy to what you talked about at the very beginning, which is that that inner dimension, which is where all the peace and the joy and the freedom are found. Betsy, there are two things that you tapped into that I really want to emphasize because I think they're very, very important points for anyone listening who's interested in tapping into the intuitive arts with a professional, with a with a practiced individual. I think integrity in this work is really important. And there's a reason why people have a lot of wariness about these fields, because like any field, there are bad actors. There are people who become addicted to or ingratiated in giving advice or being the one who has the answers. And so the things that you mentioned is, are you bringing somebody back into their own inner wisdom? Are you bringing somebody back into their own ability to tap into intuition? And is that person that you're receiving intuitive guidance from, are they really in their own work? Are they really, and actually I'm feeling like a lot of like smiling from our guides right now, or at least mine, where they're like, actually what happens when you get more into your work is you become more humbled about how much you don't know. And so anybody who's riding high on their high horse around, they are so healed and they're so evolved you know, stay away from that. And, and, you know, like, don't touch that with a 10 foot pole, because that's actually a sign that they're not actually in their work and that the most practiced individuals will be so deeply humbled by the experience of life. And, and I just like, like to open up this conversation a bit, if you wouldn't mind, if there's any other thoughts you have here about integrity in this Mm -hmm. field. Well, I think you said a lot of good things about that. And it's absolutely true. And I've been kind of surprised, honestly, by, um, the fact that people can be pretty skilled in some of these things, like mediumship, um, but in other words, connecting with love with their side, but not, it's not grounded in a depth or that comes from having done your own work. That's how all of this came about for me is because I was like, I'm going there and may I be a blessing, you know, but I continue to go there all the time. I, and you don't, you don't reach a point where you're like putting my hands together, like done, got it all. I'm out. Like, yes, I reached the end of the finish line. Perfect. That is a great illusion. And that's the ego's illusion. That's the carrot on the end of the stick. So that's not, and it's also not the point of this lifetime is to, is to become a perfect human. 
That's an oxymoron. The human experience is one of contrast. It's messy. It's sticky. It's like, it's, it's challenging. And we came for that experience. We didn't come for easy. We came for those challenges. We came for these hard relationships in our lives because we knew that in this denser human experience, and it is dense, it is, it can feel really challenging and hard for all of us at times that we would have this incredible opportunity to grow by leaps and bounds as a soul and that that would benefit us greatly. So I think there's a part of my spirit that's like, okay, I'm here. Like, let's, let's do it. Let's use every bit of this time and this opportunity to, to, to make, to, um, to expand in all the ways we can to experience myself in all the ways I can to become the love that I know that I am at heart to embody that, not to become it. They're correcting me to embody that. And we're really ready to do that. I think it's important to do that with people who are also committed to that work and who aren't holding up an illusory veil of perfection or that I've reached the end point. You know, what changes over time is is that we have a larger perspective and understanding. We have greater compassion for ourselves, which translates into greater compassion for others. Um, we have greater trust that we are that this life is here for us, not against us. We move out of victim consciousness more and more and more and into a, a feeling of gratitude and appreciation and trust for life. I think that's a real marker of our growth. And that's when life starts to feel, and I say better, <laughs> I don't know. It's you start, it, it lightens, you know, because I think we're, we can embrace this experience in a different way rather than res unconsciously resisting it. So um, I think that's why we're here. And it's really important to work with people who are honest and grounded and who don't feel the need for a bunch of extras, accoutrement, like there are no crystal, no, there's no need for crystals or balls. Yes, I can appreciate a great crystal, but <laughs> I don't need that to tune in, right? We None of us need that to tune in. We are spiritual beings wired for spiritual experience and connection because that is our very nature. So it's not something reserved. If anyone makes you feel like it's reserved for the special, then I, I would I would move away from that as well because the way I start every single reading is to say we're all right wired with these abilities. That is our is our nature, and it's just a question of like how how much how opened up they are, which is often a question of how much attention and energy we're giving them, or, or where are we putting our attention and energy that that creates a lifetime. And we're not all meant to be channels or intuitives or mediums. Like, of course not. We need all kinds of different roles and people playing them in this lifetime. That's what creates the rich, textured, varied experience of our life. And the grocery store clerk can be more spiritual than the yogi on the mountain. You know, it's like in our everyday experiences, what, how are we showing up? What energy are we bringing to it? And are we tapping into those deeper parts of ourselves so that we can be a blessing? Or are we on autopilot? unconsciously reacting to our environment and looking to plug into the things outside of us to make us feel better or worthy or safe or valued. So I think it's important to work with people who can be honest about these kinds of conversations because it is our experience, all of us. 
so beautiful. Betsy, again, I can't wait to go back and re-listen to that because it felt so true. I'm sensing a question from people as we sort of wind our conversation um, down is you mentioned reading so many different spiritual books. And are there books that you're either reading right now or that you read in the past that were really formative in terms of your understanding of intuition or just spirituality that you would recommend for folks early on in their path? Mm, I get that question a lot. I think it is a hard, I can speak to what's been influential for me. I think it is a little bit tricky to answer for other people because we are all so different and what's going to speak to one person or one person in a given moment or point in their life is very different than another point in their life or whatever, or another, another person. But um, I, early on, I read a lot. I was, as I said, um, studying Buddhism. So Pema Chodron, it was someone who I really loved and her books, I think are terrific. I worked with her directly as well. And she's just an incredible spirit who's dedicated her life to, you know, all of us waking up and holding that space for others on planet earth. Um, I do like the work of Joe Dispenza. I think he takes things, it's a completely different direction, but I think he's doing a lot with consciousness and um, expanding our sense of who we know ourselves to be and what we're capable of. Um, he's more on the scientific and, and and body oriented, but it's deeply spiritual. Peggy Black is a channel who I really love. And she she's an incredible channel. Um, so her works are just channeled books. I would recommend Peggy. Thank you for sharing. And I think another part of your story that will really sit with me is, is that your practice is fully built on word of mouth and that there's a level of trust. So I just want to thank you for extending your reach into this podcast um, frequency and community. But I personally have a question for you, which is how do you protect your energy when you're around family and friends that might not understand, or even people that are in your extended circles? It sounds like you've been blessed with a partner who studied religious systems, how cool from the Western end of things that you grew up with him, that he's known you, that, you know, it feels like there's this warmth and this familiarity between you two where you're really seen and understood in your work. But how do you protect your energy? How do you know when to tell people what you do or, or when not to? I think there are two part two answers, two parts of this answer. One is on a deeper level, I think it comes from developing your sense of self and your own boundaries and working with your own energy in this way, recognizing where we might have leaky boundaries or leaky energy, where we're giving our power away unconsciously. That can come in the form of people pleasing, for example. And a lot of that, I'm familiar, you probably are too in my life. It's part of our female culture in spades. Going to those places, looking at where we're not firmly in our truth or embodying, like owning, is that a better word? Owning our light and comfortable speaking up for ourselves. So we might have to look at beliefs like it's, um, it's not, it's, I keep myself safe by being small. You know, that's when I had to work through in order to do this work. And then when we do work with that, you know, now we can show up differently. And then I think the other piece in a very just tangible, practical way are just some tools for how we go through. So I think, first of all, intention setting before you go into like a holiday week with family or vacation or something like that, um, really kind of maybe it's deciding you're going to make time for yourself 
each each day that's separate from everyone else. Because I know there's a huge world of difference for me if I'm in that situation, which can energetically just be overwhelming if there are 15 people in a house together for a week. Um, I know that I have to get out and walk every day. I need to meditate for at least 10 minutes. But with those two things, I'm pretty good to go. <laughs> But I may still have to give myself permission to just leave the room and go hang out in my room when it's just too much sometimes and recharge. Um, one tool that can be really helpful is called putting up the rose. And if you, it's something I learned years ago in a workshop where the, the rose is a really charged symbol because it's been used in so many ways throughout history. So the exercise was I was paired with someone who was um, I'd never met before a complete stranger. And we were asked to walk towards one another. And then when we got close enough that we were uncomfortable, all of a sudden when you feel that like, okay, that's close enough, you raise your hand. And we saw how close that was. And I would say that was probably about two feet nose to nose we were. And then we tried the same exercise again, but putting up in, in the image of a rose for ourselves. So you can just imagine in your mind's eye, a red rose out in front of you. You can imagine the sides of you, the back, you can put a ring of roses if you want, but all you really need is one rose in front of you. And then try the same exercise again and see how close you can get to someone else before you're uncomfortable. Well, we were able to get nose to nose, as was everyone else in the room. So that symbol shifted the energy, shifted our energy, shifted the dynamic of energy between us. So I'll often say, put up, put up the rose to people. If you're going into a situation, you know, it's going to be intense, put up the rose. Maybe it's watching a movie with subject matter. You feel like it's going to be intense or triggering for you, put up the rose. And also see if you really want to go to that movie. But the rose is a tool. You can also envision, you know, a bubble of white light around you. But I would, I would also say it's important to have a greater understanding around this, that we don't, I don't believe inherently need protection. That word implies that there's something outside of us that could get to us without our permission. And I, I don't believe that to be the case. So we make the intention, you know, you can affirm for yourself, you know, I'm, sovereign and clear in my energy and boundaries. I am firmly rooted in my solar plexus, in the center of my being. And I choose to share with others um, in a way that can be received, well-received. You know, there are different ways to work with this, depending on what someone's really experiencing when they go into that situation, be different for different people. But um, I don't, I think when we think of it as protection, we can get into a, a fear-based state of consciousness. And I think that is just kind of pulling our power out from under us. So just reminding ourselves of how powerful we are and that we do have the choice in the situation is what's important. But again, if we do some work around, around, around it, it helps because otherwise we can tell ourselves, I have the choice of how I respond or experience this in every moment till we're blue in the face. And it may be completely ineffective unless we look at what's really triggering for us when we go into those situations and what's making us uncomfortable and look at our responses. What does it look like when I'm uncomfortable? Do I start talking too much and not leaving room for others? Do I run to the other room where there aren't people? Do I, you know, do I, you know, there's just a million ways that we can, we can do that, but it, it's very helpful to unpack that for ourselves so we can really see what's, what's the driver behind that and where did that come from? 
putting up the rose feels like a, a takeaway that I'll I'll bring with me in a lot of situations. So thank you, Betsy. Yeah, it's a fun one to play with. Betsy, as our time comes to a close, are there any last messages that you feel like your guides want to be shared with those listening today? Let me just ask. What they're sharing is that the message that they touched on earlier, which is that we are all really whole and complete at the soul level already. And that our work, if we want to call it work or our, yeah, they're calling it work. Our work in this world is really to unpack that deeper knowing of ourselves as whole and complete, because that is the place from which we can shine our light into the world and to others and to bring greater conscious awareness and truth into the world, because this is our truth. So unpacking the illusions that we, and the stories that we carry around lightens our load and allows that light to shine forth. They're showing me the image of a planet that's just like one soul at a time lighting up and shining its light so that the whole planet is is lit up. And they're saying that, you know, we all came forth at a very specific and in their words, critical juncture in the history and spiritual life of the planet and of humanity, and that the more we can do this work for ourselves and experience ourselves as joy, as love, with a sense of freedom and expansiveness, and the more we can lift that light for the planet. And they're showing that they are holding this vision and this template, this blueprint energetically for the planet in all of its light and all of its glory. And when they say planet, they mean all of us on the planet as well. And they're just saying, keep checking in with yourself. Keep going to those places of pause, to those moments of presence, because that's where we can experience ourselves in this larger way. The more we can make room for that for ourselves, whatever way suits us best. Um, doesn't have to be all of us on a meditation cushion. As I said, for me, it's walking a lot of the time. Um, there are different ways. They're showing me for some people it's being in water. For some people it's running. For some people it's being with trees. Nature is, they're saying, a valuable partner and asset in this process because there is no ego in nature. There is no habitual conditioned mind in nature. So nature can hold this pure and loving frequency which is why it's easier for us to tap into those deeper parts of ourselves in nature. So they're saying, don't forget about nature as this valuable partner on this planet with you. And as you, as you realize and open this gift of self and of truth for yourself, and they're just sharing uh, how much uh, how loved we all are how guided and loved in every moment of every day 
that they are both surrounding us and part and parcel of the energy within us. That when we tap into this part of ourselves, that we are immediately connected, intrinsically connected with, you're saying the larger one mind, the larger one soul, the larger landscape of consciousness. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you for being a um, a vessel for communicating so many different just spiritual truths and ways for us to travel more easily through this plane. I feel like a lot of light was just poured through in this conversation. And I have a feeling that you'll have folks wanting to reach out and share how this has touched them in a really meaningful way. So love to ask, uh, how does it feel right for, for people to connect with your work at this moment in time, knowing that so much of the folks who come to you right now is, is word of mouth? You can find me on my website. I did make a website. Got to <laughs> I'm a projector, Nadia. So like you, <laughs> I believe it's not my um in my basic nature to I, I to to do these things to you know put myself out there and, and you know promote, I would say. So I but I, I follow the lead of spirit. So I did make a website. It's uh, but just betsygranville.com. And that's probably the best way to connect with me. There's some channel writings on there. There are um, some interviews and a few testimonials, just sort of a, a splattering of things. I, I haven't, yeah, updated in a while, but it's all, that's all there. Yeah. It, it feels easeful when I look at your website, I'm like, this is an easy way to build and maintain a practice. It doesn't feel efforted at all. It feels simple and beautiful. So that was the directive from Spirit was just keep it simple when they did that website. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I had lots of help. And yeah, that's, I think that's the easiest way. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you, Nadia. It's been such a pleasure and a joy and an honor to connect with you and all of your listeners in this way. I feel uh, so grateful for the opportunity. 